This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As is often attributed to Albert Einstein, his sanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, for the upteenth time this season, City went into a match looking to control the ball to not give the other team the opportunity to hurt them and instead presented themselves from having any opportunities and the other team hurt them anyways. It's Monday, the 6th of February. I'm Andrew Detmer. I'm Oliver Lyon. And I'm Joe Ritchie. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from? Oh, the goal to keep this extraordinary run going. Sergio Aguero. Unbelievable. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's two for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four. They have made the impossible possible. Well, boys, we are here discussing what I think may be one of the most frustrating matches of the season. Not solely because of the less than stellar performance on the pitch, not because of anything in particular the match really, but because we went into this match with the hope that maybe this was the start of the title race and the start of City getting back to the city that we've known and loved under Pep Guardiola. And so, Ali, my question to you is, did City really blow an opportunity here to relaunch the title race and start, maybe really just start the season? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, 110%, yeah. Um I feel like sometimes on, on the podcast we try to be tame and level-headed, but honestly, after that result, I just need to vent. We wasted such a big opportunity. It was, you know, to to use a, a classic phrase, typical City. It really was. Um, you know, I, I genuinely think that the Messiah might return before we score a goal at that stadium. <laughs> it, it is just... Terrible. uh, There's so many things wrong, so many things that we've tried to discuss on the podcast in recent weeks since the World Cup, whether it's form, formation, man management, relationships within the squad, but they all attribute to what today just seemed like the absolute pinnacle of, of frustration with City and a really missed opportunity. I think that's fair. Joe, 
I want to start with kind of before the match, because obviously this lineup was not necessarily what any of us would have expected on paper for a whole host of reasons. But a stat that you gave me shortly before, and you haven't had a chance to check this, and I haven't either, but we're going to go with it. Uh, this is City's 19th different back line this season. How much of City's problems to this point have been caused by that lack of consistency and rhythm on the back four for you? Well, I think, I mean, first I want to give credit to uh, Blue City Brain for that one. I saw him post that on Twitter. But, I, I mean, I think it's been a component of their struggles. But at the end of the day, the back line today isn't the reason that City didn't score any goals. I think it plays a component in the buildup, not having Laporte, who could have been available. Stones obviously could not have been. But other than that, I mean, it's it's hard to get rhythm. You, you know, Pep Guardioli's system starts at the back, and now you have 18-year-old Rico Lewis switched over to left back. You have Ake finally back at left center back, who looked fairly decent, I would say, throughout the day. Kyle Walker's finally brought back in. But then at the same time, now you're dropping Kevin De Bruyne in midfield. You ha- you still have Diaz and Laporte on the bench. It just It's like we, we see these lineups dropping. Okay, there's a couple things that, oh, it's great to see Alvarez. It's great to see Grealish. And then you're like, but what the hell is Rico Lewis doing at left back? And where's Imeric Laporte? It's, there's always these question marks um, as the lineups come out. And also from a fan point of view, obviously, we didn't know until the match pretty much started. But you can show what the 11 is. We don't know where they're even playing from one match to the next. And to me, that's just the exact opposite of what you need to go on a winning run. I, I think that's fair. And Ali, to follow up on that point, so obviously City's squad maybe isn't exactly what we would have wanted. You know, Jao Cancelo took off to Bayern, probably for good reasons based on everything that's been reported about the, the attitude and the approach he was taking in the locker room. But... Even with this small squad, it seems that players don't tend to have a set position or that we're playing a set formation. To you, does that feel that, you know, on the one hand, Pep, we haven't gotten good results, so Pep's maybe trying to tinker. But on the flip side, is he tinkering too much? And just do we need to go back to basics, as Fabian Delph once said? <laughs> um, love Fabian Delph. What a man. Um Again, the answer is yes. In previous weeks, maybe, you know, the last Tottenham game or some of the other performances post-World Cup, I'd have still had my foot on the brake a little bit and tried to be level-headed and said, well, let's give give the benefit of the doubt to, to Pep, to the players. But at this moment in time, it it's just abysmal. It's woeful. There is no familiarity within the squad. Now, look, I understand... You're not going to play 50 games in a season with the exact same formation, the exact same plays week in, week out. That's never going to happen. That's why you have a squad. But there needs to be a sense of consistency in in our formation, in our spine of the team. You know, all the great City teams of the past have had a generally consistent spine. You know, whether you look back at having a John Stones and Diaz partnership in that uh, 2020 season, Rodri, Kevin De Bruyne, whether you go further back and look at Joe Hart, company, Yaya Torre, Aguero, you have these spines that make up this team and it gives it a sense of consistency. And at the moment, there's so much chopping and changing from Pep in formation, in where players are playing, in who's playing what game, that I feel like players must be getting 
to the point where they're looking left and right and they're, they're not really sure who's surrounding them because it's it's all changing so infrequently that it almost feels like they're not getting the opportunity to build up a rhythm and it's just it's stinting their ability to get a run going to um, find some consistent team results and you know essentially what all pundits have been saying post-World Cup is City will get on a run eventually, City will find their form and we're still having these conversations and I do think that the main thing that's attributing to that is the amount of change, both in formation and in lineup, every week. It's inconsistent and it can't carry on. Yeah, I think you're right. That It's that inconsistency and that chop and change for me that's the most frustrating. And no one is expecting this team to play the way we did when we were playing with a false nine where one of you know one of these players in the false nine position was one of our incredibly talented and gifted midfielders who is great with the ball at their feet they're going to help retain possession city are going to pass and move pass and move pass and move pass and move holland was obviously going to change the way that this team played but it feels like joe that pep recognized that we need to change the way that we play but he's terrified of giving Holland real opportunities on the ball by going for those home run plays to where Holland has not really been a factor for the past couple of weeks in these matches because Pep doesn't want the ball going up to him if there is any risk, and I mean even an infinitesimal amount of risk, that the ball could be given to the other team. Yeah, and the the Holland thing's interesting in the sense that, you know, I think um, coverage has really liked to point out every match, oh, you know, Holland only had six touches today. Holland only had 10 touches, blah, blah, blah. It felt like today in the beginning of the match, there was a real intent to get him involved in the buildup. Obviously, he's not going to do a whole heck of a lot on the ball, but at least drop deep, try to create something, and then put a run in behind that he never got fed. And then I look at the numbers. He had zero shots all match. He had 27 touches all match. Um, One chance created. I mean, he was more or less non-existent, and I think – Majority of that is down to the players around him. Um, you know, I, I remember earlier this season, someone had asked, you know, when Holland was on a scorcher of a run and someone asked Pep about, you know, great players that he's managed and Messi. And he goes, the difference with Messi is that he doesn't need players around him to be great. Holland does. And I think we're seeing that right now more than ever where the attacking six or five behind him, everything seems slow, lethargic. There doesn't seem to be any rhythm to, to what's going on. And that may go back to our conversation around chopping and changing the lineup, but he's, he's basically just a body in there that's taking up space, um, which isn't a benefit to him and obviously isn't a benefit to city. So I think for, for me, you know, it really starts with the players behind him. And it felt like today in particular, the midfield was just the source of the problem um, for attack and defense. I think so many times our back line was exposed because they were just running through the midfield and then moving forward, you weren't really getting much help for Jack Grealish because he wasn't getting the help from a Bernardo Silva, Julian Alvarez, et cetera. So it feels like it's this, you know, this pep, you know, love affair with midfield is just not coming through in the past couple of weeks. And that, to me, that's the source of the issues that we're going through. Yeah. Ali, Jill mentioned there the midfield being the source of frustration today. And I think it continues on with a bit of a trend, but is it time that we talk about, Rodri maybe having his worst run of performances in a city shirt. Um, Rodri, 
he, he, he made me so upset today. He made me so sad. It's so frustrating. I mean, look, I, I don't think Rodri's, you know, the, the be-all and end-all in this situation. He had an absolute stinker today. He really, really did. But it's not just him who's having some of his worst form. You know, Kevin De Bruyne has not looked right post-World Cup. There are so many players within the squad that it's almost concerning to me to the point where I think it's not just to do with form. Players always dip in and out of form, you know. That that's that's something that happens in every player's career, you know, and it happens in every point in a season. We've had seasons where Bernardo Silva has been amazing, we've had seasons where De Bruyne has been fantastic, and then other times they'll dip in and out of form. And when that happens, you like to think that you have other players who can pick up the pieces. But at the moment, there are upwards of 10 City players who are almost just scared. They look scared on on the ball. And that includes De Bruyne. That includes Rodri. Something's clearly wrong at the moment with Phil Foden. So so that's another situation. There are so many players within the team who just don't look comfortable, don't look confident. And that's what's scary for me, is when I'm looking at our past five games and I'm thinking, who's our standout player? And it's an 18-year-old from the academy who's only just coming into the first team. On one hand, well done, Rico Lewis, that's brilliant. But on the other, that's really concerning. So Rodri, he's not good at the moment. I can't really sugarcoat any other way. He's really not been good. I'm sure he'll come good eventually, but I don't necessarily think it's just down to Rodri's form. I think there's something going on deeper within the team at this moment in time that is causing this fluctuation of form in so many of our players who are usually our brightest sparks. So I think you you hit on something there that is interesting. So Kevin De Bruyne in the lead up to the World Cup gives an interview that still to me is strange in that he basically admits slash tells reporters, you should have zero expectation that this Belgian team is going to do anything because our moments pass, like we're too tired, we're too old, we're too whatever. And it it feels strange for a a top athlete and competitor to speak like that. But I want to tie it to, and the point you just made about so many players not looking right. Raphael Varane gave an interview in the wake of retiring Thursday from playing for France. Um, and he, at this age, should probably not be retiring. Like, he could play another World Cup. And what he said was that playing football at the various highest level is like a washing machine. You play all the time and you never stop. We have overloaded schedules and play nonstop. Right now, I feel like I'm suffocating and that Varan the player is gobbling up Varan the man. And Joe, I'm wondering, looking at this team and having seen that quote, it almost feels like not dissimilar to what Liverpool's going through where you have all these players who haven't looked right. So many of these city players have been operating at peak performance and chasing every title and every trophy for five, six years under probably the most insane manager when it comes to the level of demands that he has. And are we just seeing maybe that the human brain, regardless of how competitive and strong of a player you are, can only sustain that for so long? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of a few things, right? I mean, you look at obviously the the team that they're chasing in Arsenal, and that is a young, driven, motivated team that hasn't won much in their career for most of that squad. Obviously, bringing in Jesus and Sinchenko is a little bit different, but um, 
it's just not realistic in in this Premier League and and with the amount of money that's poured into this league to expect that one team can win every single season and dominate. And it's not like you know seventeen eighteen aside, it's not like City are winning these leagues you know a month in advance, you know six weeks in advance, right? They're they're fighting till the end for the league. They're usually still going late into the Champions League, late into the FA Cup. Um, that that takes a toll on the body. Um, that takes a toll on on the psyche, and then. You know, I know we keep kind of going back to this conversation that, you know, Pep had with Rio Ferdinand, but you don't win the same title with the same players all the time. Things need to shake. And, and while it's unfortunate that it seems to be happening during a season, it does feel like this season's a bit of a, I hate to say it's a wash because obviously they're still in three competitions, but it feels like this isn't the season where something's going to turn around and City are going to be able to just flip a switch and then the next day they have a, a 12-day winning streak. I, I just don't see that happening for a multitude of reasons. And I, I'd love to be wrong, but it does feel like things are kind of all coming to a, a screeching halt at the same time. So if you look at the understats kind of expected points table, City are still, if kind of the match is all shaked out based on XG, uh, created an XG allowed, where City would have 45 and a half points roughly. Um, so basically kind of where roughly where we're at Arsenal would have just under 42 points and they're obviously running way ahead of that. Um, this doesn't factor in the matches from this weekend, but obviously Arsenal did, you know, Arsenal dropped points as did we. So really where they are at has not changed because their overall position hasn't changed. But to me for the first time, this match to me says that City being second in the table is less of a fluke and more of a actual fair representation of the performances they've had. I think it was Amos said in our group chat, and I really agree with him, that while I think that City has played maybe slightly better over the past couple of games, or at least there have been moments, City's performances have not matched up with the results that they have had. And if you're looking at where City are in the table, I don't think it is unfair that this team is sitting second. I think, frankly, you know, we are still in second and as a result of what has been done earlier in the season. Yeah, I, it's frustrating, too, because looking at the match in, in a little bit more detail today, it it you know, the one goal that they conceded was obviously a self-inflicted wound from arguably city's most consistent player in Rodri. Um, and, and, and that hurts, but then in, in seasons past, you know, mistakes happen the way city play mistakes happen. You know, Pep, Pep always tells players to have courage. If you make mistakes, you know, kind of, you know, jump off of it and Zinchenko versus Southampton, Ederson makes mistakes, you know, it'll come good. But today they make that mistake and it just felt like everything came to a, a halt. It, it didn't feel like at any point, City were going to be able to create enough chances to, to score, which is so funny because, what, two weeks ago they did versus Spurs, but today just felt flat. Um, it felt like there was no one willing to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. I mean, I looked at just some of the numbers afterwards, and um, aside from Kev, who came on as a substitute, no one created more than a single chance, all match. Um, Kev had three. I mentioned Holland had zero shots. Akanji had two. When your center back's out, out shooting, you're, you know, world-class striker that that is a system and squad issue that to me just can't be fixed in just a training session or a couple match run and that that's where I I kind of go back to earlier like I don't want to be super pessimistic but it just feels like this season is 
never really got going. And I don't see how now that we're in February, there's that real opportunity for that to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just want to pull back to that Varane quote from before and, and then also thread it together with everything that's been said since. The more that I think about it, the the more of an impact I think this World Cup has had in the middle of this season than maybe we initially realised. Because I think what most pundits, uh, what most journalists and most of us as football fans were concerned about when we spoke about this World Cup being in the middle of the season was was injuries. You know, everyone was concerned about star players getting injured and the impact that that would have on on a season. But the more that I'm looking around the top five leagues within Europe, the more I'm actually starting to think about, without being too cliche, like the mental injuries of that load that Varane spoke about. And actually, if you look at most of the top five leagues in Europe, the teams that would normally or have, let's say, in the past five years had that history of dominating aren't running away with the league in the way that they have been doing in previous years. You know, Bayern Munich aren't top of Bundesliga, Real Madrid aren't top of La Liga, City and Liverpool aren't at the same capacity that they've been at for the past couple of years. So, you know, there's there's sort of a, a trend going on across Europe that the form is being... Um, you know, it's it's detrimental. It's been detrimental this World Cup to to most top teams. Now, look for a neutral. You might say that's great. Um, it's obviously, I don't want to say easy, but um, it definitely helps Arsenal's um, ability to focus when they know they're in a title um, challenge. So, you know, their ability to come back from that World Cup and, and instantly carry on with their focus. But but when when you're in that situation that Raphael Varane touched on of being um, a top athlete in a in a top team that has consistently performed year on year on year and then you've got a world cup where especially the players in these top clubs have the weight of a nation on their shoulders and they have that impact and then they come back it must just genuinely be mentally exhausting i think that's having such a massive impact on our players on all these people who are out of form the, the rodries the kdbs and I think it's attributing to, to everything on a much larger scale than we maybe initially realized. Yeah, and I think we've, we've talked a lot about the overarching part of the season, along with just the, the lack of performance in today's match. And so I think it's a great part or way to end part one. And we'll be back in a moment with part two. Welcome back, everyone, to the City Report podcast. Guys, we as City fans don't want to give up. Right. I mean, the first part of this podcast was fairly uh, pessimistic. So I want to bring us back and try to give a little hope. And so what I want to ask, and I'll start with you, Joe, what would you do to fix this team right now? Because obviously the transfer window's closed. So the players you got are the players you got. The schedule you have is the player you the schedule you have. So what are you doing? Oh, man, uh, it's a loaded question because there's a lot that I think needs to take place. I mean, the ideal and, and it might not be a practical answer. It's just finding some form of consistency in an 11. And I think, you know, while we've been saying that for Pep, it's probably a struggle to do that because who can you really justify staying in week after week, aside from like we've mentioned, Ake, Lewis and, and Jack, right? There's no surefire. I mean, Riyad Mahrez probably to an extent, but he wasn't great either today. So to me, it's, you need to find some sort some sort of a rhythm. You know, if you can keep eight, eight or nine players in there week after week, 
Um, and I know that we've talked about the fixture pileup, but let's be honest, this is a pretty tame month in terms of, you know, it's been nine days since City played last. They're not playing again until next Sunday. I mean, there's time in between. There's no reason that City can't play the same 11 week after week for, for the time being. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me, you know, if, if we look back throughout the season at times City have been successful, it just seems like there's, there's a, a, a will and a motivation to put the ball in the back of the net and they're moving at a certain pace. Whereas today it just felt everything was so slow, so lethargic, um, a, a lack of options, you know, those why those kind of triangles we would see on the left and the right in the buildup. We have not seen this season. I don't know if that comes down to this kind of three, two, four, one formation, but um, it just feels like, you know, Amares a or a Grealish get the ball. They don't really have any options other than, okay, I'll pass backwards to Rodri, who will probably get pressured. We'll pass back to a center back who passes back to Ederson. And then it's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So for me, it's just about players, especially like a Grealish who's in form, like take on your defenders. We need overloads from our fullbacks or our, in, you know, or Bernardo in midfield. And it just feels like no one's really willing to play off one another to create space for one another. And I don't know how Pep gets that through to them because clearly they've done it in the past, but it just seems like a, an, if it's an energy level, I don't know, but it seems like they don't have the drive to attack at a certain pace at a necessary pace to break down these, you know, eight, nine, 10 man defenses that they go up against. I, I pretty much completely agree with Joe. I think for the rest of the season, if I'm Pep Guardiola, um, which I'm not, so we won't do this, but um, I'd be saying we're going to go back to the formation that has made us um, what we have been in the past couple of years, that 4-3-3. Um, I would be bringing inconsistency, especially in defence and midfield. Um, Diaz, for me, has to come back in. Laporte has to come back in. Um, Ake, I think, should be playing at left-back um, regularly. Um, De Bruyne, Rodri have to play and Haaland has to play. The rest, you can work around that. You can tinker week to week, whether you bring Foden back in, whether Grealish and Mahrez carry on, whether Alvarez, the odd game, I don't know, Walker and Rico Lewis, you know, all those things can change, but there needs to be a level of consistency. And I, I just, again, I, I'm not in the city dressing room, so I don't know what's going on with some of these players as to reasons why they're not playing but they they have to Diaz has to play for me like he he just he has to be playing he is one of when he's playing and when he has the form he's one of the best defenders one of the best central defenders in the world and you know I really like um Akanji I really like what he's done since he's come in but he's not on his day at the level that Ruben Diaz is, or at the level that Laporte is, and people can disagree with me on that, but th th some of these players just have to play. That's all that I'd say. Formation, consistency. What do you guys, just real quick, because I don't want to take up too much time on it, but what do you guys make of the Ruben Diaz situation in the sense that he's had, he, he came into the side when he first signed, you know, was playing basically every match, super reliable from a fitness and on-field perspective. He's obviously gone through a couple of injuries in the last 18 months, but it's is his omission, in your opinion, and I guess I'll defer to Andrew first because obviously you haven't had a lot of involvement so far, is is it is it a tactical thing? Is it a – I don't think it's the no happy faces thing for Diaz. I think that just wouldn't apply to him. But but what do you make of his omission and just the fact that he can't seem to find a way into this 11 that seems to so desperately need someone of his profile? I think that Pep has started to overthink 
And I think we saw a, a similar type of Pep in Pep's first season when, when things started to go bad, it was really difficult for him to get his mind around what was going wrong and how do I solve this? And the interesting thing to me is I think when I look at this, the city team and what it lacks the most right now is it lacks a bastard who is going to get the guys up around them and be like, this is not acceptable. Let's get this done. The, I understand Pep wanted to have the, the happy faces. I, I get why. As I said in the last time I was on the podcast, I don't know that I fully agree when it comes to professional athletes because let's be honest, these guys are all psychos and a little weird. So you're going to have to manage some different types of personalities. And sometimes players aren't going to always train the best or look happy. But if they're really good on match day, then sometimes you have to be okay with that. But the other part of it that I think is weird is that no city players should be happy right now. They shouldn't have happy faces. They're not playing well. The season's not going well. Like, I don't want to see players that feel good about things. I want city players to be like angry and say, yeah, we're not playing well. We played like crap today at Spurs. It was unacceptable. We apologize to the fans and we're going to go figure this out. And it felt like we started to get that like a month ago when there were all the rumors about the kind of team meeting that Gundogan came out and talked about. But I think one of the biggest things we're missing on this pitch right now is Diaz, who the way he approaches leadership, I think is the closest thing we had post Vincent company leaving to that style of leadership. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's totally fair. And even it's just funny, like you look at the bench, like him and Laporte, it just felt like the perfect match for both of them. I don't think defensively we were particularly great today. And I know I mentioned that, you know, that may stem from the midfield, but I, I don't think it's to the point where Akanji was so great today that you can't justify dropping him. Like, I think you can bring in Diaz next match. I think you should put Ake back at left back. You should bring in Laporte for his distribution. There's ways to justify these decisions without it looking like you're dropping it a totally informed player. Um, and again, like, like Ollie said, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but just from a sheer fan perspective and being, you know, thousands of miles away, that feels like the right decision to me. Yeah. Ollie, for me, you know, you, you hit on a point when you said like, pick a, pick a lineup, go back to this formation. And to me, I get that we don't have the the perfect amount of players to like, you know, that everyone works. But to me, like I'm looking at who we have, and what we could do. And I don't get how for the rest of the season, and I get that Rico Lewis has been a really solid player, but if you're going to be playing a back kind of three, essentially, because you were playing Ake at left back to me, I think the rest of the season at all possible big matches, it's Ake at left back, Laporte at left back, Diesh at right back until Stones gets back. And then I think you can switch the three of those and that's okay. Or right center back, I should say. And then Walker at right back so that he can get forward. And then I think you're putting Rodri at defensive mid. You're putting De Bruyne and Bernardo or Gundogan in midfield. And then for me, I think it's just a rotation of four, or I sh- maybe you should say five players for those front three positions. And it's Foden, Grealish, Holland, Mares, Alvarez. And I would prefer that Foden and Grealish and Alvarez are on there more than Mares because I think Mares, when he's on, he's great. But I don't think if he's on, like I, I think that the floor gets a lot lower and it feels like. He had a resurgence and then has fallen off over the past couple of weeks. And his frust- when he's frustrated, I I just don't get it. And I don't know about you guys, but to me, like if we at least went out there and like that was the lineup and it was like, let's go try to score some goals and maybe we give up a few more and we don't have control, I would be more okay with that as a City fan. Yeah, I, f- I, I feel like the frustration of this, this whole episode and uh, the frustration of the situation at City at the moment is – 
it's like um, stepping stepping on rakes. You know, you you step on one, you turn around. There's another there. It's like it's like an old cartoon uh, trope, and you can say that we'll solve things that way. But like you say, pets overthinking, and then we start to think about Harland and how do we get him involved, and the, the whole situation is just uh, pretty dire. But and to try wrap this up a little bit. I hope that City can come good for the rest of the season. I hope they can find consistency and I hope that we can get back to the basics. Um, I think, you know, as Joe said, we've not got a game till next Sunday. There needs to be some really strong internal discussions within that locker room. People need to step up um, and switch on and we just really need to hope that that's what happens and City can drive this season forward. Well, thanks for the uh, the optimism, Ali. Um, you know, this podcast maybe hasn't been the most fun that we've all ever recorded, but I at least feel slightly better getting some of these frustrations off my chest. We hope you enjoyed. Please make sure to subscribe, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to the City Report podcast on and tell a friend. Uh, I've been Andrew Detmer. He's been Joe Ricci. He's been Ali. Low. Low. Sorry, Ali. Forgot your last name for a moment. Uh, and take care and we'll see you guys next time. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.